This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. I'm so excited today to be chatting with Emily Pepito about work. We're just months away from the release of my new book, Habits for a Sacred Home. And one of the second habits that we talk about in the book, or really actually the first habit after we lay a foundation, and one of the important habits of the Benedictines is work. (laughs) And it's just such a normal, everyday part of life that sometimes we have a hard time doing enough work. Sometimes we have a hard time getting enough rest. And I can't wait to chat with Emily today about the subject. I'm so excited to be on on this subject and love I love work and I you know I think it's such an important part of a Christian walk and I think it can be really fun when you kind of learn to embrace it too. Yeah. The lady that I talk about in because in each chapter of Habits for a Sacred Home I talk about a different woman of faith. And the woman that I talk about in this book is Edith Schaefer and she wrote a book called I think it's called The Hidden Art of Homemaking. We'll link it in the show notes. And basically, she made the the thesis that work could actually be this creative pursuit, something that we do and we almost are partnering with God. Like God is a creator. He made the world in seven days. And as we embrace work, it's kind of a way of being creative. How have you seen that play out in your own life? I just get so much joy when I'm working. Like when I, um, especially if it's something creative, like working in my garden or doing things for other people, I think that's, if I'm really excited about somebody, you know, there's nothing that is too much effort for them, you know, like cleaning the house for somebody who's coming over that I'm excited about or making dinner for somebody or, um, you know, making somebody for something, like making something for someone. Um, and then there's other work that brings me joy because it creates beauty. So like making my bed in the morning, I love it. Working out, I love it. Um, and then there's other work that it's it's a lot harder for me to find like the, the joy in it. But a lot of times when I don't find joy in work, it's not because of the work itself. It's because of some lie or emotion associated with it. And so like my thesis, when I'm kind of in flow almost and I'm writing, I'm like, I love this. Like there's literally few feelings better than working hard at something that's challenging and overcoming. But so often when I'm working on it, I'm I'm feeling really overwhelmed by it or I'm feeling like I, I don't have what it takes to do it or I'm feeling like I, I can't do it well enough or whatever it is. And then that's what really stills the joy of the work. And I think we kind of just, I guess on the side, but when we are not enjoying our work, I think it's more often because there's a lie or something associated with the work more than the actual jobs. Interesting. And one of the things I think about work is that, you know, in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve this mandate to steward the garden. And it's almost like this way of honoring our father in heaven when we steward what he's given us. And we'll talk later in a few months about the act of stewardship. But I was thinking about you, like you're renting and also, you know, partly, um, you're, you're partly paying through money and partly paying through managing our Airbnb down there to live in our beautiful house. And you are such a good, like, I am your mother. 
you are living in a house that that we paid for and that you are paying for in different ways. And it's like, I'm so proud of the way you take care of it. I feel so safe about the way you take care of it. Like you make the garden more beautiful than I did. You keep it really clean. You have so much respect for the gift that it is. And I just think about how how we please God when we are um when we value what he's given us it's like he gives us a home and then we either treat it like it's a trash heap and we complain about the work of taking care of it or we do it with joy because we love our father in heaven he gives us children and we either take care of these beautiful gifts from the lord with joy and with peace and with a sense of the sacredness of that calling or we take care of them with a, a miserable sense of duty and and we become the you know the the villains in storybooks, you know? And so everything we do, all the work that we do in some sense is given to us by God. And we can either choose to do it with a joyful heart and with a sense of purpose and um, peace, or we can approach it with this sense of victimhood. And I think that's part of what's really destroying our culture today is that there's almost no personal responsibility. There's such a low value for private property or personal responsibility and it's destroying Western civilization. That's, I just, I love that analogy that you just made. Like it made my heart so happy of like this. I I don't even know if I ever thought about it. Like I thought about work as worship, but I haven't really thought about like work as a gift the way you're just talking about it. Where it's like, if you have something to work for, it's because it's always because you've been given a gift first. And it's like, the, the garden of Eden and children and marriage, like all these things. And, and even like laundry, like we get to do laundry because we have the gift of clothes. And it's just like, <laughs> really, I just love, I love how you said that. I think it's amazing. And I think it is such an honoring. It is such a, it is such a way to worship God when we are thankful for the work put before us. And I, I think that it's this, you know, what you're saying about like personal responsibility, you know, it's another aspect of it where it's like the, the the freedom to work even or the the ability to work is such a, an amazing gift because it means that we have um it means that we have something it means that we have something to call our own and i think like glorifying god with the stewardship of that it with thankful hearts is yeah a huge part of that yeah and you know this is partly why totalitarianism, communism, there's lots of ways of saying it, is such an evil scourge because it takes away that sense of purpose and ownership. If if nothing you do really matters, if you're going to get the same level of living, like if you're going to get some food and some clothes, no matter how poorly you work, how little you care, there's no motivation, there's no incentive, there's no reward. And even the Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. So God, as a good father, rewards those who seek them. And and there needs to be um, a reward in, in the work that we do. And for some of us, I think we often are blind to the inherent rewards. Like, to me, having a home where there's sunlight flowing through and where the floors are clean, there's a, there's an inherent reward in that. Having children who are peaceful and laughing, there's a reward in that. And, and it is true that initially the good way can be the hard way. I was just reading Atomic Habits and he was talking about how you know, initially it's easier just to eat the cake instead of exercising. Initially, it's easier to just, you know, watch a show instead of reading out loud to your children. Those are easier initially, 
But the when you make a lifestyle of making the easy choice instead of the good choice, the fruit that we bear is poor health because we aren't taking care of our bodies or disorganized homes or chaotic because we haven't been caring for our home. So the work that we put in always has a reward is just not always immediate. Totally. I think, I think two things. One is that like, I a hundred percent agree. And I think a lot of times we, we have like this five day work week mentality and we have this very, like, um, we, we have kind of villainized work. And so then it's not just about like whether, like no matter what sort of world we live in, we still have to choose kingdom principles in our personal lives, no matter what everyone else is doing. And so it's like, whether or not you have personal property, whether or not you rent or own, whether or not you, you know, work in a great job or a crappy job, we still have to choose to honor God by doing our, our best. And specifically we're talking about work here. And so you have to, you have to show up and, and work with excellence. You have to show up and work with faithfulness. You have to show up and work with joy. And I think that part of the the other side of the general malaise around work in at least the U S um, is that it's just seen as this, it's seen as this burden. It's seen, it's seen as this thing that we do that is taking away from what is better. And I think that work is really best. Like I think that we are given a day of rest, not because work is bad, but because connecting, connecting with God and enjoying God is even better than work. And I think really as, as parents and training kids, like we need to start shifting our mentality around work too. And I think the other side about work is that we often see it as, okay, I'm working from nine to five or, um, I'm, I'm doing this and then I'm done, or I just need to finish the laundry and then I'm done. Or I need to do the dishes and I'm done. But I think we need to kind of change our mentality to a lot of work and be like, no, this is this is my calling. Work is my calling. Dishes are my calling. My, my job is my calling. And, and there's, there's having boundaries. You I mean, it's like being like, yeah, no, we're going to put the dishes in the sink and we're going to go for a walk and then we'll come home and do them. Or, or we're going to, you know, stop working at five and we're going to connect with our family. But, but starting to change some of these, these general mentalities around it, where we're beginning to, um, appreciate that we are, that work and life belong together. And that if you're not working, you're not actually living. Oh, that's so good. There's so many things that I have thought of as you're speaking. You know, I think that one of the things that really sabotages us is thinking that something's going to last forever. You know, so many of our listeners are moms with young children, and that season is hard. The work is really never ending, you know, even on a vacation or even on your day off, like a Sabbath day that you try to take, you still are going to have to change diapers or take kids to the potty or change, uh, you know, change clothes that have been peed on or clean up, throw up. Like you don't really ever get a day off. You still have to feed other people besides yourself. But that season is short. You know, I, my youngest is 15. Like I, I have seven children and the youngest is 15. That season has been gone for a while for me. I can sleep all night. I can feed myself and most of my children, all of my children can feed themselves. Like I do not have to I don't even have to cook for a whole day if I don't feel like it. The season of intense work is over really fast. And so instead of complaining your way through it and feeling victimized by it, 
And then giving your children the impression that they are victimizing you, that they're the cause of your unhappiness. And I know I mentioned that a lot, but I just feel like it's, I, I, I have so many regrets because I was really, really delighted to be caring for my children. I was so delighted. I loved my babies. The, there was a, a poem that said, you know, where is the mother whose house is so shocking? She's up in the nursery, blissfully rocking. So cobwebs keep silent, dust go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby and babies don't keep. And I started saying that poem when my fourth child was born. So by that point, I was like, oh, wow, I am not going to get to have babies forever. You know, by that time, I was old enough to realize that this is not you know, my, you were already, I mean, walking around, helping out in the house, like you, you and your, your younger sister, your younger brother, you guys were already not babies. And so with this fourth baby, I started to realize, oh my gosh, like this is just a season. This is going to end so fast. And I really started savoring it in a new way, but I still sadly let the work roll me, you know, let the work just roll me instead of keeping a smile on all day long and being thankful for it all day long. And I I just have so many regrets about that because of the way it made you guys feel like I wasn't having fun being your mom. And I loved being your mom. It was so wonderful. But I think sometimes as mothers, we actually, and we've talked about this in the Restoration Home community, we, it's not so much that the work is killing us is that we want some attention. You know, there might be an underlying lie that nobody loves me or nobody cares for me. And we feel like if we don't complain a little bit, especially to our husbands, no one's going to give us any attention and people are just going to, um, they're not going to care about us. And I think sometimes we need to take a pause and drill down to, where those lies come from. Because for me, you know, being a middle child and feeling somewhat overlooked in childhood, those feelings were still lingering with me and causing me to be a bit of a miserable mother, you know, a bit uh, needy and whiny instead of just really thankful and joyful. And it stole a lot from my family and, and it doesn't have to steal from your family. You who are listening right now, you could take a pause and say, Jesus, why am I feeling so burdened by work? Or why am I feeling like such a victim right now? Is there something that happened earlier in my life that left me feeling like you weren't good, or you weren't going to take care of me, or that uh, people weren't going to notice all that I'm doing? Because, you know, really, our children, maybe they're not going to always be like, Oh, yay, mommy, you're so awesome. But still, it matters to them what we do. And it matters to God. And if nobody else is giving you kudos for how hard you're working, God is. And I think sometimes it just takes being quiet enough to experience his approval, experience his love, experience his appreciation. And maybe even that means taking time to forgive. Like for me, I really had to forgive people in my life who I felt like had overlooked me so that I could receive the love of God. You know, I think that the unforgiveness is the quickest path to misery, because instead of seeing how good God is and how much we have to be thankful for, we focus on the dark side of life and it never produces joy. No, it doesn't. And I think it's so like for my, for me, like I've kind of just touching on the, the mental stuff you're just talking about where it's like what we focus on and, and having had like for 10 years, having been a, like binge eating and, and just really struggling with that. And, and these lies that I thought I would never get free from and then being like, Oh wow. Like I'm, 
I no longer do that because I've just like, God's been really gracious. I've had some great support along the way, but in essence, I have, I have rewired my brain and I, and I no longer have that relationship with food at all. And I think that's just for me, giving me so much hope with a lot of these things where you might, you know, if there's a lie that you're believing about, um, about work or about your, or why you're working or your value in your work, or like whether you don't feel valuable unless you're working or whether, you know, work makes you feel like, you know, like you're not important or whatever it kind of is, wherever you are on the spectrum, it is so possible that God has given us the tools and the ability to, to literally rewire our brains. And it's like, there's, um, a woman and she's kind of more new agey than I would, than I would like, but she just talks about like, if you're going to lie to yourself anyways, why not tell yourself a better lie? Which is, you know, I don't, I don't love that, but the, but the premise of like what you, what you are choosing to focus on can be negative or positive and, and why not have it be positive? Like if it's, if neither one is wholly true because it, you know, life's always a bit of a mixed bag sometimes, why not choose to really focus on what you know, and on who God says you are and on how beautiful your life is and on all the good things that your husband does and, and all the, you know, the good things that you are enjoying and, and all the ways that work is a blessing or, you know, these sorts of things. And I think the other thing I wanted to say is that for some of you, you are already working really hard and you feel like you either can't take on anymore or you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I just need to work harder. And I think work is, work is so God mandated. And I, I love what mom said about us being enjoying work and enjoying stewardship as, as, as praise and as thankfulness. Um, but God also created us to rest. And I, this is going to sound, um, maybe a little bit crazy, but I'm just so fascinated with, like with a woman's cycle and, and in our cycle, we have these, these ups and these downs of our estrogen. So your first 14 days of your cycle, you have this big surge of estrogen and estrogen growth so you can ovulate. And then you have progesterone, estrogen starts to drop and then progesterone, um, begins to surge. And then you have your, um, period if you don't get pregnant. And so these, these hormones do really different things. And, and estrogen is, is a lot more of a nurturing, um, is a, is a more of a nurturing hormone where you, you have a little more energy in the first 10 days of your cycle. It's kind of like they, like they call it your power phase. You're, you're more able to like concentrate and, and get work done. And then literally you have this, this rush of testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone when you ovulate. And, and in that, in those five days of ovulation, you actually need to feel more taken care of. Like your body physically needs to feel taken care of. And then, um, and then you go into your progesterone cycle and you actually need to be a little more proactive about taking care of yourself. And so I think as mothers, we, I, I recognize like I'm, I'm not a mom. I have so much freedom in terms of how I spend my time and what I do and, and all of that. And so I understand that like some of this can be difficult, but understanding and, and kind of honoring your God-given cycle in your work rhythm and also recognizing that work doesn't mean that you just need to work all the time. Um, it means that you, you know, you need to change your attitude around work. So you need to be thankful for the work. You need to enjoy the work. You need to be, you know, be able to recognize that it's a God-given gift to, to, to work, to, you know, the things associated with work, but it's, it's really okay to rest. It's really okay to learn how to engage your husband more and more in the process. And, and I, um, I actually love men are from Mars and women are from Venus for this because like, he'll say, he'll give these really practical tips of like, don't say, could you help me with this? Say, would you help me with this? Cause could always kind of hits him like the average male brain could comes across as manipulative of like, 
um, are you capable of doing this? And would is like, I'm going to be vulnerable and ask you if you are going to will yourself to help me in this. And just really beautiful little distinctions. And I think it's a, it's, it's a totally a nineties book, but it's a great tool to have in your toolbox. And, um, and it's, again, it is okay to go through ebbs and flows in your work and be like, okay, I'm in, I'm in my, I, I, I'm in my manifestation phase where I'm, I'm ovulating and I, I just need my partner to be a little more there for me right now. I need him to help me with the dishes and I need him to, you know, show up for me. And then in your progesterone phase to be like, okay, we're going to not be as on top of the dishes in this, this two weeks. And that's okay. Like that is okay because work and the pursuit of work is not the pursuit of perfection. It is a pursuit of faithfulness within what we are capable of according to our, our God-given hormones, the season that we're in, the the other work that we're called to, the ministry that we're called to, the state of our family. There's a lot of stuff that's going into this. And I just think it's really important to point those things out. Yeah, I love that so much. And you you mentioned affirmations. And I think that sometimes Christians can get a little bit wound up on, oh, I feel like a loser and I'm a pathetic sinner of a worm. And we forget what Jesus paid for, you know, and there's almost a little bit of um, of carelessness or even even blasphemy when we forget most of scripture that says we have been crucified with Christ and yet I live and the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when we go on, you know, cursing ourselves essentially after God has blessed us and, and redeemed us with his own precious blood, there's, there's some carelessness there. There's some, um, you know, it's, it's not a good Christian witness to actually disagree with God in such a strong way. And what the Bible says, the affirmations in the Bible are, you know, God is my refuge and strength. Psalm 46, one, God will give me wisdom to navigate the day. James one, five, God loves me and is with me. Ephesians three eighteen, Psalm 27, my children are a blessing. Philippians four, six, I trust God with every problem. And, and what is also true in scripture is that God really does not like us to be in fear. You know, there are so many verses that talk about us being of being of good courage or the just will live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And so I think we need to get a little bit more serious about overcoming those fears. And my book, Mothering by the Book, can help because it is often fear that causes us to complain about our work because we think, oh, I'm afraid the work will never end, or I'm afraid that nobody loves me and nobody's going to help me. You know, and so there, there are all these fears that maybe we haven't even identified. And that is actually one of the reasons why we need to make sure we take time to rest. Because if we if we are always working and never taking time to pause, we can't actually drill down to those lies that we're believing or the things that are sabotaging our own family life. Because I know, you know, most of us listening have a real desire to um, be a woman of God, to live according to the word of God and according to what he's purchased for us on the cross. We don't want to be pathetic and whiny and um, destructive in our own homes. But I think sometimes we just don't take enough time to be quiet and be with the Lord so he can even show us what lies we're believing that are sabotaging our family life. And so that's why, you know, taking a Sabbath where you, you know, put your phone away, put away the distractions, go outside with your kids, take a walk. You know, even when you have a lot of kids, there's always time where we can have a little bit of quiet in our minds so we can listen to God. Same with, 
you know, having some morning devotions, I've been doing the John Eldridge uh, 30 days to mental resilience in his pause app lately. And, you know, there's just some really good prayers in there for giving our families to God, letting him, letting him show us if there are areas that we are believing lies or that we're disagreeing with the word of God. And I think having enough quiet where you can identify and, and just recognizing that speaking the worst about ourselves is sin. Like, I think sometimes we think that it is somehow godly to talk bad about ourselves. Like we give ourselves a pass for speaking evil of ourselves, but we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so I think we should take it a little bit more seriously that God has made us for himself. He's made us in love. And so, you know, just like I wouldn't want my kids, I wouldn't want you guys walking around tearing yourselves down after your dad and I, you know, labored to bring you into life. And, and I'm not God. I'm a, I'm a frail. Uh, here I go. <laughs> here I, go yes, I am a person redeemed by Jesus. I make mistakes, but I still want my children to see themselves the way God sees them and to speak life over themselves. And I think God feels the same way about us. He created us because he loves us. We're precious to him and he wants us to see that we're precious. I, I believe that's what we can find in scripture. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think it's just um the there's just so many aspects. I was I was literally just on the phone with my dad and I we were talking, and one of the things we we're talking about is like the how you how God created our bodies and our minds and our spirits. And there's this interconnection, I think, in every aspect of our life and parenting and work and all these things. We do have to be aware of this where it's like, what are the, what are you believing? How are you resting? How is your, how are you taking care of your body? Like these things are all important to work. They're a precursor to work. Do you know what I mean? And, and just remembering that. And yeah, I love what you just pointed out. Yeah. Well, this has been such an inspiring conversation, Emily. I'm so excited for families to listen. And as they approach this month, where in the restoration home community, we're focusing on work. We're closed right now, but we'll open again in March and, you know, as families focus in on work and focus on just starting to be thankful for it, I think it's going to make a big shift in the way that they feel about their homes and about their lives as they just start to give thanks for the beauty of curating a home for the Lord. 